welcome to the Garden Angelus, where we talk about flowers, veggies, and all the best dirt. I'm Carol Michael from Indianapolis, Indiana. And I'm Dee Nash from Guthrie, Oklahoma. Good afternoon, Dee. Hello, Carol. Is the sun shining in your part of the wintry world? No, it is not. It is a gloomy, dreary day. Well, it's it's shining here for the first time in probably a week. As you know, I've been off this week and stuck in my house, and so I'm ready for the sunshine. I bet you are. I'd be ready for it, too. In fact, I am ready for it because I haven't been stuck in my house, but it has not really been sunshiny for days. Days and days and days. Which kind of brings us to our topic for today, but are we going to do old business first? Old business. I want you to know that after we talked about the movies, I watched Mrs. Miniver on YouTube. Yeah. And so, what did you think? You forgot to tell me it was sad. Oh, is it? Well, it is about the war. I haven't watched it in a long time, but I remember parts of it, yes. So it's sad. That's too bad. There is is a, a... a story of a rose through the that kind of weaves its way in and out of the story of the war and everything, and I won't give it away. But D, do you have a name for your rose garden? No, my whole garden is Little Cedar Garden, but and that's a whole another podcast. But it's Little Cedar Garden. But I've never named my rose garden. No. Well, you know, I every garden bed has its own name at my place. So Right, but in my case, the roses are spread throughout all the beds, so that wouldn't work. But what have you named yours? So I have roses really just in this one spot, and I'm now going to call it Starlings. Starlings? How nice. Must have something to do with the movie. That's Mrs. Miniver's garden's name, Starlings. Oh, I love that. Well, great. I'm so glad that you liked it. Thank you for recommending it. You need to watch A Little Chaos now. You'd like that, too. Okay. I'll put it on my list. In the meantime, you'll be happy to know I'm going to make a little... Guess what? Uh, That sounds like either popcorn or seeds. I got my seeds, and you are correct. This is... It is actually corn seeds. Ah, there you go. So... I didn't think about that. Popcorn. (laughs) Ha ha. Yeah. You must be like... Special because if I shake different seed packets at you, can you tell me what the seeds are? No, but I just made popcorn the other night. That's probably why. (laughs) So I ordered a bunch of seeds from Burpee, and I found this sweet corn called Picasso Hybrid. Listen to this. Listen to this. Picasso, with striking deep purple stalks and husk, is a visual Mm -hmm. stunner and culinary wonder. Serve roasted, baked, or boiled. Eight-inch white and yellow bicolor ears are sweet, nutty and irresistible multi-talented varieties ears and stalks make for autumn perfect decoration all around the neighborhood Ooh, neat i like it so it's got it's got red in the stalks in the the ears so i'm i think that'll be pretty i think that'll be very pretty one year i grew the variety that was called strawberry which is actually a popcorn and it had red ears and it had red in the stalks that striped and it was very very pretty so and it did really well here so there you go so anyway red's the color of the day and our theme today is hearts and valentines it's love because you know thursday is valentine's day so we thought we would talk all about l'amour which is love and for our day i wore my special heart jewelry um i have i have heart jewelry that my husband gave me years ago and i only wear it about once a year 
And for our special day, I wore my usual green T-shirt or sweatshirt. Well, that would be you. So it w- I wouldn't expect any different. So let's get started. We've come up with some lists for gardeners, and we're going to talk about heart-shaped flowers and flowers that are called uh, named after the heart and everything we can think of related to Valentine's Day. Other than we're not going to talk about a dozen red roses because that is so boring. So yesterday. It is really yesterday. And bless my husband's heart, he almost always brings me, what, a dozen red long stem roses for Valentine's Day, and I just don't say anything because it makes him happy. I did tell him he had to go and buy them somewhere where they were sustainably, you know, farmed. Basically, they were gotten from a sustainable farm because I just couldn't take any more of the Walmart roses. I was like, dude, it goes against everything I believe. (laughs) Yes, and we should tell our listeners, we can tell them every single podcast if we want, buy sustainably grown flowers buy locally grown flowers as close as local you can get at least within the borders of the united states and if you don't know who in your neighborhood is selling these types of flowers go to slowflowers.com the website put out by our our great friend deborah princing and all kinds of florists have registered there from coast to coast patronize them tell them you found tell them you found them on slowflowers.com and you will get a better quality flower whether it's a rose or anything else And here's the thing. Don't go out to eat on Valentine's Day. And also, just save and buy your beloved flowers at the end of February. You know, because they're a lot more expensive on Valentine's Day. But not trying to take anything away from the florists. But, you know, you can get them a lot cheaper at the end of the month. Actually, probably on February 15th. Okay, so let's talk about plants with heart-shaped leaves, bracts, flowers. Yes. Be creative and get a heart-shaped leaf for your valentine. So what's the first one you've got for us, Dee? Well, the first one I thought of, of course, was Circus canadensis, which is the redbud tree. We spent a lot of time on our spring blooming trees episode discussing this tree, but just remember it has heart-shaped leaves. So even after those blooms are gone, it has a beautiful leaf shape that lasts all through summer. And it turns a lovely color in the fall. So you could buy your you could buy your beloved a tree. That's a great idea. Make sure they want a tree first. Yeah, don't just buy it for them. You know, I planted trees for my kids when they were born. That's nice. I did. Okay, so go ahead. What's yours? Um, well, we have a bunch of house plants we want to go through. Okay, you want to go through them, or you want me to go through them? Uh, let's go back and forth. Okay, let's go back and forth. You go with the next one. Philodendrons. Mm-hmm. And there are tons of varieties of philodendrons out there. Everybody knows philodendrons. It has a lovely heart-shaped leaf. And you can go buy the plain green one, which is a lovely plant. You'll probably find it as a filler if you buy a basket of foliage plants. Yes, but probably. they are coming out with more and more varieties that are um, much prettier than the plain green ones. And there's one out there called lemon lime, yeah. which is a really cool light green color. And that would be really pretty. You want to know what's the problem with this topic? There's too many heart-shaped leaves? No. No, that's not it. What is it? (laughs) It's that when I was doing the research, I bought plants. So I have one of these coming to my house. (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) 
anytime I research something, I end up buying three or four of them. So yes, I'm going to be an owner of lemon lime. And there's also a philodendron in the same group that is a variegated form. And so it's another one you could choose too. But I saw lemon lime for sale and I bought it. So I have the variegated one. It's in the other room, and I'm racking my brain thinking, what's the name of that variegated one that I bought? And I won't go run back there because the tag is long gone. But it is it is lovely. It's probably variegated. And it has a heart-shaped leaf. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. That, every variegated leaf thing, is the variety is variegata. <laughs> and then the not next... Not really, but... Not really, but it happens a lot, a lot more than you'd think. Um, and then the next one is one of my very favorite plants that I've grown, and I grow it in the greenhouse in the winter, and then I bring it into my house in the summer, and I'm not even going to try <laughs> the Latin, but it's called string of hearts or rosary vine, and it is the sweetest little plant. You go for it. You're the horticulturist. <clears throat> Excuse me. Serapagia woodii. You sound just like the people on Fine Gardening's website. Good job. <laughs> Thank you. We should mention you okay. can go to Fine Gardening and you put in a botanical name and they'll pronounce it for you. And it was not me that did it. No, it was someone else, but they do a great job. And sometimes I use their help too. So rosary vine or string of hearts, it is a succulent vine, which is unusual. And it will not bloom except in the winter in the greenhouse. But it has these cute little pink flowers that come out that are kind of tubular. And they have red on the end, kind of a burgundy red. But the heart-shaped leaves, there's a variegated form of this too. And um, guess what I ordered online yesterday? You are so wicked. Guess I'm going to go right back to the garden center where I buy my houseplants, and I'm going to ask them to get these in for me. You are so wicked. I have to have this now. It's a wonderful plant. It's beautiful, and um, I think it is even scented, but don't, don't hold me on that one because I know String of Pearls is scented when it blooms in winter, but I'm not, I can't remember for sure if String of Hearts is. Those are both succulent vines, as you know. And so, Dee, we're going to have to put a donate button for our podcast on our websites <laughs> so that people can help us fund the many plants that we have to buy after we do research. Yeah, I had this plant for years, and finally it died out, and so I had to order another one because my local nursery doesn't always have it. Um, every once in a while they do. They usually have uh, the string of pearls, but they don't have this one. So the next one you take. Anthuriums has a heart-shaped leaf and it has the bracts and a lot of times the it's a spathe and spadix type flower and so you see the big red heart and then the spadix comes up out of it the best way to describe it i don't have one at the moment but if you go today to the store to the grocery store wherever they will have tons of these for valentine's day right because those yeah it's called poor man's rose is that it's no, I made that up. It's because it's probably cheaper to buy one of these than to buy a <laughs> okay. big dozen of roses. So you just made up a common name for it. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you see these all the time. You see them in greenhouses. Um, you see them everywhere. And the bract is usually red. It's not always right. red, but it's usually red. Um, the next one you will also find at your grocery store today. But Cyclamen. For the life of me, I cannot keep those doggone things alive 
There must be a trick to it. Maybe one of our our listeners will leave a comment. But I have bought cyclamen because, man, they are pretty and they are seductive. They are cute. And I bring it home and I set it and it looks so pretty. And then one day you walk in, it's completely welded. Yeah, it looks crazy. I mean, welded is perfect. (laughs) And then you water it. Then you water it and it comes back. But it's only got so many times that it's going to do that before it's like, I'm done. This is not my place. See, I wonder when they start them, do they start them in some kind of um, apocryphal potting soil that just like kills them so that you have to buy more soon? Because I'm telling you, that stuff becomes hard as a rock and it happens overnight. Yeah. And we, you know, not to disparage cyclamen (laughs) growers, but I'm suspecting that they grow these things to get them into bloom, to get them into the stores to get them bought and oftentimes plants that are produced that way do not develop a very hardy root system and so they just don't have enough root system to sustain themselves long term so but if you growing them and you grow them well and you're getting them to rebloom god bless you we love you yeah and speaking of which remember my rosemary plant that was in the shape of a tree and you asked me if they ever do well and if i'm ever able to keep them alive and i said no Guess what? It's still living? It's still living. It's out in the greenhouse. I water it once a week. I have found the spot it loves. It likes 50 degrees and kind of moist. That's what it loves. It is growing like a bandit. Go figure. And you wouldn't think, you wouldn't think that rosemary would like 50 degrees and somewhat moist air, but this one does. So there you go. I would have, I would have said 50 degrees and somewhat on the dry side, but if you're having success good who cares right and that that should be like our mantra if you're having success and it's not how it's supposed to be who cares right yeah exactly if you're breaking all the rules go for yeah, it we can give you all the good advice in the world but i promise you i don't do everything exactly the way the everyone says we're supposed to do it and sometimes things work okay the next exactly. plant is the sweetheart of the instagram world and it's known as a hoya Hoya carii. It is the sweetheart plant. And the reason it is is because it's almost shown as a on Instagram as a single leaf cutting, which looks exactly like a little a heart, a big heart in a very small vase. And usually somebody's sweet little hand is holding this plant. I did not buy this one. It is also a vining succulent like the string of hearts, and eventually it becomes heart-shaped little pieces that attach to each other but the one the cute one that you see on instagram that is one single plant cutting you know what i'm not tempted by that one go on to the next one (laughs) okay the next one you can plant outside and i do almost every year um proven winners has come out with a bunch of different sweet potato vines but the sweet caroline series several of them have um heart-shaped leaves and sweet so we're gonna we are gonna share this on our notes but sweet caroline sweetheart jet black is truly black sweetheart red which i have grown is kind of got reddish i don't know reddish brown but it's really pretty and then there's sweet caroline bewitched green with envy and i have never seen that one before planted but boy it is cute because not only are the leaves heart-shaped they are ruffled and lime green Ooh, so they hit all my... I might call the... I might send these links to the greenhouse around the corner and make sure she's growing these. Yeah, especially that last one. Or wouldn't that be pretty with the jet black one? You could mix them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think that'd be beautiful. So what's next? I'm gonna, 
Well, wait, I got to send that greenhouse the link and then I'm going to tell them to hold some back for me because they'll sell like hotcakes. They will sell like hotcakes. There was another variety out for a while. I haven't seen it lately. It was actually propagated by a guy from a sport in Oklahoma and it was from a greenhouse that's down in Norman and it had black and green on it. It had kind of a black leaf with green speckles. And I grew it for several Ooh. years, yeah. But in, it got bought out by one of the big plant nurseries, but I haven't seen it very much since then, just a couple of times. It's very pretty, though. It sounds really pretty. A lot of times, some of those ones, they start out spotted at the beginning of the season, but then as the season goes on, they lose their spotting. Yes. That might have been a problem with that one. They might have. I don't remember if it did here or not. In the middle of summer, all I'm doing is watering. I'm not paying too much attention. So the next plant I wanted to talk about was violets. Uh, Plain old woodland violets. I have a whole stand of those underneath a tree. Aren't they beautiful? I think they're beautiful. A lot of people don't like them and try to get rid of them with weed killer, but I don't because I have various reasons. What are your reasons? Do you have some? Well, first of all, I'd like to say not to offend anybody that's trying to kill woodland violets out of their lawn with weed killer, but you are fools to do that. (laughs) Leave them be. (laughs) They don't like... Two reasons I... (laughs) Two reasons... (laughs) What? They don't like it because they take over the world. But I found a spot where no grass grows in the partial shade, and it's right next to my little green she shed, and they look so cute because they're purple. They just make this whole field of purple. You want to know why I love the woodland violets? There are two reasons. Yes, go. One, it's my favorite flower. And the second of all is when I was a kid... My dad let us dig up woodland violets from a woods where we used to hunt mushrooms and take them home and plant them for my mother because she loved them. So even though he liked things nice and neat, he allowed violets into the yard because my mom loved them. Mm -hmm. So I got to have them. Okay. And let's, as long as we're talking about why they're so great, let's talk about how they're a food source. They're a food source for all kinds of critters, like a bunch of them. Such as? Okay, so they're a food source for mice, which people might not really think is a good thing. But, you know, mice are important. Otherwise, what would cats have to do? And secondly, and also hawks and all the other creatures that eat them. But that's one of the reasons that wood violets get spread a lot is because they're a good protein source, I read, for mice. Although I didn't research this, so if it's wrong... I'm sorry, but it's what I read last year. The other thing is they're a really good early pollinator source for um, bees, for native bees and flower flies. And my bees, my honeybees also love the violets, which are about, I don't know, 400 feet, maybe 600 feet from their their colony, their hive. And uh, they're just beautiful. And I get such a kick out of them. We'll share a picture of my stand of violets on uh, Instagram this week. I'll go find one. So speaking of food sources and the violet, Mm -hmm. I read this story in an old book from 1909 called Wildflowers Every Child Should Know by Frederick William Stack. And whenever I get an old book on wildflowers, I turn to something like violets that I know a little bit about to see how they describe them. And I found a story about violets I had never heard before. Are you ready? I am totally ready. The Latin name viola is derived from the Greek io. Ah, And so Jupiter, the god Jupiter, we are told, fell in love with Io, the daughter of the river god Anakis. Anakis. And in order to conceal her from the jealousy of Juno, his wife, 
get this, Jupiter turn, changed Io into a heifer mm. and then created violets that she might feed upon the delicate petals during her transformation. There's a lot of things I don't like about this story. So <laughs> Jupiter changed his mistress into a cow Ugh. and then created violets so that she could have something sweet to eat. Well, I love that story. He's a selfish person. God. <sighs> okay, I don't I don't care how much somebody likes me. I don't want them to turn me into a dang heifer. I'm just saying. Right. We can we can become cows on our own. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty easy. Since I've been off my foot this week, I've definitely felt like I've eaten like a cow, but no violets were involved or harmed. And I but anyway, I love that story. Shall we move on to other perennials that remind us of Valentine's Day in hearts? Some perennials? Is that what yes. you said? Yes. Um, yes, we have several. Do you grow bleeding hearts? I have grown bleeding hearts in the past. They do not really like Oklahoma's hot and dry summer. And you can grow them for a little while, but my luck has been that eventually they die out. But they are really pretty. They are pretty. The little... They don't have a heart-shaped leaf, but the flower looks like a little heart dangling from uh, from the several, stem. Several and little hearts. Mm-hmm. Several little hearts. Lamprocampnos spectabilis. It used to be Dicentra spectabilis. Somebody thought that that was too easy, I guess. So <laughs> Lamprocapnos spectabilis, the bleeding heart. It's that Lamprocapnos family. Not the yes. Dicentra family. <laughs> you yeah, know, ever since we started applying DNA to plants, it sure has gotten confusing, but okay. And then I thought of Forget-Me-Nots, which are another wonderful right. little perennial, a gorgeous shade of blue. They can be kind of run rampant in some people's gardens. I can barely keep them alive. How about you? Um, I grow the false Forget-Me-Nots, which is... Uh... You caught me unaware. I will put the show notes out there, but I grow a, what they call a false forget-me-not, and that mm-hmm. does tend, tend to come back every single year. Yeah, my forget-me-nots come back for a couple of years, and then they're done, but that's okay. It's a really pretty shade of blue. It looks really good under bulbs, under spring bulbs. Kiss me over the garden gate. I have never grown that. A friend gave me a plant of it that she had successfully grown, and I'm hoping that it reseeded in my garden. If it did not, that's okay. Um, Peonies. Peonies are um, a wonderful flower. They're very popular with brides, especially in the springtime. And I know florists just cringe at the idea when a bride comes in and says, I have a fall wedding and I would like peonies. You're not getting them. Yes. Yes, they do. (laughs) Yeah. That would be hard to do. And you know what? Do I have peonies in my garden? Yes, I have lots and lots of peonies in my garden. Um, None of them are that beautiful kind of uh, papery apricot look that everybody, every fall bride wants. Mine are all in the pinks, reds. Um, I've got a lot of different styles from Japanese anemone types to doubles. And I love them. I think they're super easy to grow. 
But when I say that on the blog, people come back all the time and say, no, they're not. I can't get them to bloom. Well, what you need to do to get them to bloom, my dear friends, is just plant them so shallow that their eyes are right at the surface of the dirt. And if you do that, they'll get cold enough if you live in Oklahoma where we have really variable weather in the winter, and you too will have peony blooms. But after you move a peony, sometimes it doesn't bloom for two, two or three years. So you have to be patient for a peony, but they last up to 100 years, which is why they're known for romance, prosperity, yes. and good fortune. They used to be the flower, I started to say the state flower, but that's not right. It would be the the flower of the country of China. They are, uh, sadly, because they are not native, they are native to China, but they are the state flower of Indiana because every farmhouse has a stand of peonies. Hmm. And the, all the peonies I have are pass-along plants that were given to me or that I took. Like, I have my dad's peonies. I have one that a friend gave me. So that's that's all the peonies I have. But I will say this. It was rather interesting. I went to a—this is going to sound high flutin D. I went to a horticultural symposium this past weekend. Oh, yeah? And there was a woman there— uh, from Moore Farm in um, South Carolina, and we'll put a link to that since I named it. And she said for peonies, because they can't grow them at all in South Carolina, it just doesn't get no. cold enough. When a bride comes in and wants that look, she takes like eight carnations and she ties them all real tight together at the at the base of the flower and the mm-hmm. stem, and then it has the peony look. It doesn't have the scent or anything, but it has the look of a peony, and it could be a passable substitute. Well, it would smell like a carnation, which is going to yes. smell like pinks, dianthus. So, yum, that would be okay, too. I could take right. a dianthus-smelling bouquet, but um, in my daughter's bouquet, when she got married, it'll be two years this May, um, she used peonies, hydrangeas, and roses. And it was really, really pretty. So that brings us to roses, of course, which we will just mention. Roses, of course, are a very valentiny flower. And I say instead of buying someone a bouquet of roses, if they like to garden, buy them a rose bush. Go online and buy one from David Austin or somewhere that has a really, really pretty bloom. That's a good idea. We'll link to David Austin roses, too. Okay. Okay. So now we want to talk about plants with love in their name or that have a romantic message. I thought this section was a lot harder to research. I thought that was going to be super easy, and it was not easy. <laughs> yes, because these, these people that name these flowers, they know if you put love in there, you're buying it. Yes, there's a lot of them out there, but it was it was hard to find. So I finally found one that I really liked, and it was on Proven Winners' website, and it was Superbell's Doublet Love Swept, and it's new in garden centers this year. It's a hot pink, double-flowered calabrocoa with a very pretty little white edge. And you know what it looks like to me? What? A dianthus. It has Ooh. that look of a dianthus. So that would be very pretty spilling out of containers everywhere. I hope that I see it in my, you know, in my garden center this summer, this spring. We'll see. We'll see. And I, I guess I'll have to send a note to my greenhouse and say, hey, are you getting Superbell's doublet <laughs> love swept? Let's see what they say. <laughs> that is a long name. It is. 
So at this symposium I went to, there was a woman named Deborah Hardwick who has grown over 2,000 varieties of clematis or clematis in her garden Mm -hmm. in Ohio. And she was so enthusiastic about these, but she went on and on and on about a new clematis called Memory of the Heart. The actual name is Pamiet Sertsa because it was Uh. bred in the Ukraine, but they're going to bring it to market in the United States as Memories of the Heart. And she just went gaga over this. It's it's a non-climber, but it could use a little bit of support, so it's not going to be a vine. You would treat it more as a perennial that needs support. Right, like some of our other ones that are like a bush clematis kind of deal where you have to have a little. I usually put peony supports around those, and they do really well because I have a couple of different ones. So did you look at Memory of the Heart? Is it a bell-shaped? It's it's a purple-lavendery color, and the best way to describe it is as open, twisting sepals because, as she explained to us, on on a clematis, those petals you see are actually the sepals, but they're right. like open and twisting, so like a bell shape, but it's all twisty. And somebody described it almost like the flower is dancing. And so immediately, you know, we're all scribbling down, get memory of the heart as soon yeah, as no we can kidding. find it. It's really pretty. I just looked it up online while you were talking, and it does have those. It it has petals that kind of hang down like a a bell shaped, um, but it also has. They look like they do twists, and it's a really pretty kind of a orchid color. Yeah, is what it looks like in here. Really beautiful. And I looked at uh, Brushwood Nursery, which is a very good source if you want to buy a lot of different kinds of clematis. And mm-hmm. it is sold out, and so I put my email address in there so I could be notified as soon as they have it back in stock because I have to have it. You know, it's interesting that it was bred in the Ukraine because a lot of, I don't know where the Ukraine is in reference to Poland. I didn't think about looking it up before we did this, but I, I they're kind of in the same area. And, you know, some of my best clematis um, came out of Poland. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some breeding um, some crossbreeding and genetics that are involved right. in both of these. Really, really um, hardy and free flowering, all of my... Right, and, and um, speaking of clematis out of Poland, Proven Winners has one called Sweet Summer Love, which is a vining type. And mm-hmm. uh, I have it in my garden, and I sort of have a vining up into a service berry. And it's one of those things where I think I need to move it because it's a little bit too shaded under there. But I'll look up in the middle of the summertime, and that clematis will have climbed all the way to the top of the service berry and be blooming up in this up way up there where you can't see it or smell it. Mm-hmm. I put a couple of clematis climbing into um, crepe myrtles because crepe myrtles aren't super bushy, and I put two jackmanis climbing up in so jackmanis dark purple, and then but it's not a great clematis to grow now. There are better ones. Um, but it's still a beautiful purple. Anyway, they're hot pink crepe myrtles, so I put them up through there, and it really is pretty. And they do kind of the same thing. They grow a lot more up in the top of it, but they aren't that tall, so I can actually see them. My best of my Polish clematis uh, is Pope John Paul II. Now I've got another one I've got to buy. My favorite of my current clematis is one called Raguchi, which has like a little purple bell. It's beautiful. Mm. I do love the bell-shaped ones. They're really, really pretty. 
But the best advice she gave, because I think people tend to sort of baby clematis, like they're very, um, you know, tender, not tender, fragile is the word. But she said, you just treat them like they are a perennial. And if you need to dig it up and move it, dig it up and move it. And she said, plant it a little bit deep and it'll grow some roots along the, the stem there. So I'm going to um, take her advice. I'm going to move my sweet summer love. You know what? I don't, I don't baby mine at all. Other than the fact that I shade the roots with some mulch, I don't baby them at all. And I cut them way back and I just don't worry about it. And they come back really, really strong. So yes, there you go. You could do a whole show on clematis. Yeah, we could. Maybe we will. So let's go to the vegetable garden. Yes, because we've been talking about flowers and we talked about houseplants. Let's talk about veggies. Let's talk about tomatoes. So the love apples. <laughs> they used to call tomatoes love apples because of their aphrodisiac properties, presumed aphrodisiac properties. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> I, and so I'm not touching there are, that. There are some, there are some, moving on. Heart-shaped tomatoes, like uh, pink ox heart is one. I've grown that one before. Mm-hmm. And there's also a new one, new-ish, out there, and you can find it on many different websites because I went and looked, and it's called Gardener's Sweetheart, and it's a cherry tomato. And it is somewhat ox heart-shaped, so it's a little bit heart-shaped. It's probably related to grape tomatoes, frankly, but it, it is a little bit heart-shaped, and it'd be cute. And so lots of people grow it, and they say it tastes really good. But we're going to do a a bunch on the podcast about tomatoes in a couple of weeks when we start thinking about starting tomatoes. We're really going to dive deep into tomatoes. And how we start all our plants and grafted varieties. I mean, we'll discuss it all. Everything you wanted to know about tomatoes. And then strawberries have a heart-shaped fruit. Yes, they do. And I didn't think about it, but they do. They have a heart-shaped fruit. So when you cut into a strawberry, it makes a heart. So it's a super neat plant to grow. And strawberries, you know, they're somewhat easy to grow if you have the right conditions. If you don't have the right conditions, they don't do well. Dee, do you have the right conditions? I have in the past. I've grown them various ways, but right now I'm not growing any strawberries. I haven't given up any space to them. They take up a lot of space, even the ones that are, I mean, I know there's some varieties now that people grow in hanging baskets, but here in Oklahoma, hanging basket is another word for dead plant. Really? (laughs) (laughs) It's too hot, too dry. You can't keep it watered enough unless it's a really big hanging basket and a really tough plant. And strawberries aren't that tough, so you might as well just not not grow one. But you can grow them in containers too, big containers. So I'm I am growing strawberries. I have the perfect bed for them because when I laid out my vegetable garden, the last raised bed is only about a foot wide, and that's where I put a row of strawberries. Mm. And they've done well because my raised beds are edged with a um, a stone, a brick, and they say that the strawberries fruit best like on the outside of the row. They do, and so it's got a lot of outside row to fruit on to on both sides. So it's done really well, and I get a nice little mess of strawberries every year. So about a thousand years ago, I used to have a whole section of strawberries in my lower vegetable garden, which has now been taken over by perennials. It's kind of a Uh, meadow garden but anyway the strawberries have continued to grow and they have pushed themselves all the way to the edge of the beds and they they hang out into the gravel and so I get a good handful of strawberries every year if I get out there before the turtles do 
Turtles love strawberries. See, and you have turtles in your garden. I don't have turtles that I know of in my garden. I have some toads, but I've never seen a turtle in here. I have a lot of turtles in my garden. <laughs> a lot of turtles. Because I live way out in the country, Carol, where every little critter known to man visits my garden. In fact, I had a rat in my broom closet. So, you know, I wrote about it this week on the blog. So turtle, ha, turtle's no big deal. They just like strawberries. Yeah, and you can chase down a turtle. <laughs> Catch it. Yeah. I guess you could chase down a rat, too, but I don't want to. No. (laughs) So, anyway, that's pretty much, I mean, we have just barely touched the surface of heart-shaped leaves, flowers that remind you of hearts, vegetables that remind you of hearts. But maybe we've given somebody a good idea of something besides roses they could get their sweetie for Valentine's Day. Exactly. And if you want to know more about decoding flower meanings, meanings, I wrote an article for American Meadows last year, and we're going to link to it. Because that also helps if you do decide to buy a bouquet or a plant for somebody to plant in their garden, you can at least know the meaning of it and tell them about it, which is really cool. Very nice. So anything else for the good folks today, Dee? I think we should talk about why we love gardening so much. We just do. We're, we were dropped in the garden when we were kids, bonked our heads. I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you linked to a pretty little phrase that you wanted to share. Well, I actually have a book called uh, The Garden That I Love by Alfred Austin, and he was the poet laureate in Great Britain in the early 1900s. Not a well-remembered one, but there are two quotes for him that I think most gardeners would recognize. The first one is, The glory of gardening, hands in the dirt, head in the sun, heart with nature. To nurture a garden is to feed not just on the body, but the soul. I love it. And then he's the one who famously said, Show me your garden, and I shall tell you what you are. That's interesting. I don't know if he want, if I want him to come to my garden and tell me what I am. He will tell they, he will say that we are passionate gardeners <laughs> who love to grow pretty much anything and are easily seduced by really pretty plants. Yes, as evidenced by everything I bought this week and is being shipped to my door. Uh, well, I'm going to have to go get some plants now to keep up with you, Dee. Yeah, you do that. Go buy yourself some more clematis. Anyway, I want to tell everybody happy Valentine's Day, and I hope you spend it having a good time with whoever you care about in this world. Um, it doesn't You don't have to say it with a dozen red roses. Say it in some other flower form, or say it in a vegetable. There you go. And so with that... We just want to tell folks if they want to email us, they can email us at thegardenangelist at gmail.com. They can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, where we are The Garden Angelist. Thanks for listening, everybody. And if you like this podcast, please go on iTunes and rate it for us. It gets us higher in the ratings, and then more people can listen. Have a great day. Bye, everybody. (laughs) 